Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. When it comes to uh, mixing the abortion issue with uh, the challenges that we face in many of our hard-hit communities, I feel it disingenuous that the issues of Medicaid would come up and other opportunities for us to readdress what has happened and broken down in our most distressed zip codes, the way that Planned Parenthood specifically targets these uh, particular zip codes with abortion. Abortion is a leading cause of death in the black community today. Since Roe v. Wade was legalized, 20 million humans have been killed inside of the womb of black women. And then on Halloween, Planned Parenthood tweets out that the black women are safest if they abort their child rather than bring it to term. Uh, to the gentleman from Texas who brought up Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, I think that it is important that we put in record that the needs of those that are most vulnerable in society uh, cannot be addressed with abortion. Abortion feeds a narrative that women are victims, that they have no control over their sexual impulses. And as a result of this narrative being forced down into our hardest hit communities, we are seeing now recklessness in sexual activity and marriage has collapsed. In the 50s, 70% of black adults were married. Today that number is 30%. This is causing a lot more social pathologies that have to be addressed through different types of legislation, not the heartbeat bill. The heartbeat bill is to protect the innocent. Chair, I recognize the gentleman from Tennessee, the ranking member. Thank you. Firstly, we're at filler time, waiting for somebody to come testify. I would ask that we allow Ms. Jayapal to do filler as well as, as, well as the, the chair. And I'd also like to say that I am not disingenuous about anything I say about Medicaid or Medicare or LIHEAP or SNAP programs. And to suggest I'm disingenuous shows your ignorance or your absolute inability to deal with Congress people the way they should. I believe in those issues, and I think they're proper, and to say I'm disingenuous is just wrong, and I expect an apology. Uh, I would ask for an apology from the gentleman from Tennessee calling our witness ignorant when it seems to me she has a whole lot more knowledge and wisdom. She's ignorant about me. Everybody is. You're both out of order. Find admission uh, on your part. Given the lack of civility before this committee, this concludes today's hearing. Yes, boys and girls, that was a white Democrat talking to an African-American woman. And somehow that's okay on Capitol Hill. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 6th November year of our Lord 2017. we got a packed show. I'm going to talk less, work more, because we have so much stuff to get. That's why I wanted to get it in there. Um, Peter J. Hansen, trying to imagine the headline if a white GOP representative treated a black female witness like that. That they would actually get away with it. But they never would. They they just wouldn't. So I don't want that to get lost in the horrible news, the weird news. It it it, it needs to be stated as we go down this road, and I keep repeating myself. The left's a bunch of fucking hypocrites, and you know how I know that's true. Listen to this shit. You think this helps for the book to come out? Well, George, I mean, this is a lesson of 2016. If I released it next year, they would say, Donna, you're impacting on 2018. If I release it the fall, Donna, you're you're impacting. George, for those who are telling me to shut up, they told Hillary that a couple of months ago. You know what I tell them? Go to hell. I'm going to tell my story. 
I want to tell my story, George, because this is a story of a young girl who started in American politics at the age of nine, who continues to fight each and every week of her life. I, I went down to uh, Virginia last week to kick off the canvassing campaign. Nobody paid me to do that. Nobody, nobody, I'm not on the payroll, George. I care about my country. I care about our democracy. Um, and I say go to hell because why am, I, why am I supposed to be the only person that is unable to tell my story? Is Trump right that the DOJ should be looking at Hillary and the Democrats? Was there some sort of uh, law breaking here? Or do you think this is an effort to distract from the Russia story? This is, to this is total misdirection. I mean, he might as well be David Copperfield in Las Vegas and what a level of misdirection he's doing in this. You look at all of the things he's talked about. There's nothing to the uranium story. That's all been debunked. This idea that Hillary campaign and her campaign colluded with Russia, that's been debunked. And now this thing with Donna Brazil and the DNC and everything. All of us know that both parties rigged the process in order to, to engage a certain kind of voters. But this is standard procedure in what the DNC did and the agreements they had with Hillary Clinton. It's a total misdirection in order to get the spotlight off Donald Trump and the investigations he has in order to try to direct it somewhere else. Donna Brazil is yeah. a longtime Democratic Party official. She was even the acting chair for a time during the 2016 campaign. She wrote an extraordinary piece in which she basically says that Hillary Clinton, her campaign, exercised undue and inappropriate influence over the Democratic Party in the primary such mm -hmm. that they were pro-Hillary when they should have been a more even playing field. Do I have that right? right? And if that's so, what's the significance? Well, look, on one hand, it was Captain Obvious, okay? She was the party insider. He wasn't even a member of the Democratic Party. Of course the DNC had a finger on the scale. And, of course, Bernie Sanders knew they always had a finger on the scale for Hillary Clinton. <clears throat> you just had to look at that debate, uh, that debate schedule. That said, what Donna Brazile said, to say that it was uh, to a point that it was essentially rigged in her favor, that can't be unrung. So while... The Clinton campaign is, is arguing that, well, if you look at the details, Bernie Sanders signed the same agreement. He could have exerted similar influence. He just didn't have big dollar fundraisers to do that. That all sounds well and good, but this is a large problem, Savannah. This is a party that's barely being able to keep itself together, the Sanders wing and sort of the Clinton-Obama wing. This is a grenade, and, and I think that the current DNC chair, he's in big trouble here. He's got to figure out how to put this together, but he was had the support of Obama and Clinton, the Sanders forces supported yeah. somebody else. I have a feeling that's how this is going to play out. Yeah, i got to leave it there, but I mean, the allegation that the Hillary campaign oh. was basically bankrolling the Democratic Party. Chuck, well, thank you. They were. Yeah. They were yeah. because the DNC was bankrupt because of Barack Obama. I think this is a manifestation of all that's wrong with the Democratic Party, frankly. Yes. I mean, this is a time when they ought to be talking about the future, and they ought to be organizing themselves about what they want to do for the country. Except we go back, and we've got this internecine fight going on about something that happened some time ago. Yeah. Donna is well known, as you all know, for kind of uh, ready-fire aim on a lot of the <laughs> stuff that she does. But to go back over this now... When they're trying to win congressional races and trying to get ready for 18, seems to me to be beyond counterproductive. So, of course, that's all the spin off the Donna Brazil book that has just blown up, got huge, and we're going to cover it for even getting into our loop. Let me slurp some coffee, which has got to sound great on this podcast. Jake Tapper leads us off this te tweet, this teat, <laughs> same thing. Twitter's just like a teat for people to have a outrage. 
This tweet did age well. Bernie Sanders being treated very badly by the Democrats. The system is rigged. Because it is. Matt Drudge. Brazil writes, she was haunted by murder of DNC Seth Rich and feared for her own life, shutting the blinds so snipers could not see her. That's from her book. It's not speculation, even though you hear her spinning in there. Donna Brazil, I consider replacing Clinton with Biden. As 2016 nominee. A little outtake from her book. I had tried to search out any other evidence of internal corruption that would show the DNC was rigging the system to throw the primary to Hillary. But I could not find any in party affairs or among the staff. I had gone department by department investigating individual conduct for evidence of skewed decisions, and I was happy to see that I had found none. Then I found this agreement. The funding arrangement with HFA and the Victory Fund agreement was not illegal, but it sure looked unethical. If the fight had been fair, one campaign would not have control of the party before the voters had decided which one they wanted to lead. This was not a criminal act, but as I saw it, it compromised integrity. That said, pretty much, they were going to give all the money to Hillary. This is in WAPO. This is in everywhere. From the Washington Post in 2015, it's not clear how this will shake out. The DNC appears to be digging in behind its schedule. Clinton won't clarify whether she actively wants more debates, and her campaign verbal may not want that at all, given the details of the TikTok I've laid out above. Even the DNC original decision to set six debates is somewhat indefensible, given how that all will unfold. Things seem to be spiraling out of the committee's control now that we have the schedule itself and now that we're seeing huge audience tuned in the GOP debates. The criticism may escalate, putting the DNC and Clinton in an increasingly difficult position. The Clinton camp, by claiming openness to more debates, has given the DNC a way out. But it's unclear. She was digging in. Glenn Greenwald, extra interesting. None of the standard Dem tactics for smearing critics works on Brazil. So I'll be a while before they know what to do. Joy Reid just said, fuck you. And Sanders did sign a joint fundraising agreement, but as Donna writes, he didn't need it. He raised his own money via donors. Spin, spin, spin. And nothing for nothing, but wasn't a member of the party and still isn't. Not a huge shock that the party both needed and favor Clinton. Remember this, Joy. How much have they paid you to change your opinion on her? Somebody said. Joanne Reed, 2008. Hillary Clinton is insane. She has had a complete psychotic break due to the stresses of watching her presidential dream slip away and has lost touch with reality in her mind. She'll be president somehow, and her aides and her husband were afraid to confront her with the truth, lest she lose whatever left of her mind. That's from 2008, May. Mm-hmm. The whole internet is just shoving that in her face because she became a shill. But she and a few others are spinning, trying to make it work. To cover up what Brazil is telling us we already knew. Anybody who was on Twitter, anybody actually watched the fucking thing on D- Direct TV, saw everybody walk out. This was a broken party because she rigged it. That's the funniest thing about this whole thing. We talk about how Trump got rigged the election with Russia. No proof at all. We've had DNC proof of rigging the whole time. The media just, oh, it's not that big a deal. Ignore it. Mm-mm. Not that biz, biggie, busy or biggie. It's not a biggie at all. Fuck it. Keith Oberman. That's funny. Real Don Trump because she was always thought she would be running and winning against Americans, not Russians. See, he's still trying to do this. Still trying to do it. WAPO. Hillary Clinton's secret takeover of the DNC. When I was asked to run the Democratic Party after the Russians hacked our emails, I stumbled onto a shocking blah. 
And that goes into the article. I'm not going to read it for you, but it pretty much sums up. This shit was worse than we thought. After she started putting her shit out there, liberals told her, delete your account. You're a loser, Donna Brazil. And then Peter Dow. Thread for you fellow Hillary voters. I know you feel betrayed today. You're furious that people would should know better than give Trump a gift. People should have known better, gave Trump a gift. Say what? No one forced Hillary and DNC to cheat, this article states. You're deeply frustrated with Donna, Elizabeth Forma, leftist Hillary haters, and Russian troll amplifying them disagreements. Please know you're on the right side of history. Your voice matters. Be proud of the history you made. Stay strong. You are on the side of a cheater, Peter Dow. If we know anything, we know life is a struggle, blah, blah, blah. This goes on for like 40 fucking things. And finally somebody goes, Donna Brazil and Elizabeth Forma aim to top positions on the left. HRC is done, so why not kick the carcass? But HRC voters won't forget. It's not Donna's fault that Hillary cheated, folks. Timing, folks. Divisive info circulated when some want need or benefit from distractions and others want publicly. Let's not give it to them. Give it to whom exactly? Oh, it's Trump. Mary Contrary finally comes to her senses. Furious, heartbroken, betrayed, abandoned, abused. Where were you? Then on the news, she said, well, I didn't say she rigged it. And she kind of comes back. Then the Clinton campaign, troubled and puzzled. We were shocked to learn the news that Donald Brazil actively considered overturning the will of the Democratic voters by attempting to replace Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine. Nate Silver, given the biggest bombshell in Brazil's book, already proved to be self-serving spin BS. Not sure people should read the rest of it. Pelosi. On Brazil. You haven't heard me relitigate last year's election. I wasn't involved in the presidential. I ain't got nothing to do with it. Pelosi on if the DNC rigged it. My focus is on the next election. I don't want to spare a second to be thinking about what went on within the DNC. Oh, nothing to see here. Moving along. Andy Kim sums it up. Pelosi, not interested. Mook, move past 2016. We're about to hear that soundbite. Dean, rigging is standard. Obama, still waiting for him to say that. Steve, seriously, she has stood there so many times talking about Russian sexism in the 2016 election. But you don't want to re-litigate it now. And neither does the media. They don't want to cover it. They don't want to. But here's two sound bites to close this out. Robbie Mook and Dana from Big Sis in Colorado. Good sound bite. This shows... What the DNC is about. They're not about the will of the people. They never have been. Anybody who still wants to vote for them, you're a fucking moron. Because you're running around talking about Russia, Russia, Russia. Russia didn't do shit. You haven't proved it. You never will. It's not there. Scooter Libby's will go to jail for breaking laws. Not rigging an election. The DNC rigged their election. So is this just about Donna Brazil trying to peddle a book? I mean, because as Brianna mentioned, you know, through somebody who didn't work at CNN, she gained access to one uh, town hall question and she gave that or at least attempted to or in an email gave it to somebody in the Clinton campaign, which is completely unethical. She lost her job. Uh, you know, she I mean, I, I frankly view it as a huge betrayal of everybody who worked at CNN. The fact that she she did that. Um, 
I don't see her attempting to, in any of those emails, attempting to give information to the Sanders campaign. It, it seemed like she was more than happy to cozy up to the Clinton campaign, and now she has a book to sell. She's now spinning this yarn. You know, I, I feel like all this is water under the bridge. And Donna Brazil has served our party for 30 years. She's been a champion for Democrats. Uh, it was my honor and my privilege to work with her as chair of our party. Um, I look forward to working with Donna in the future. Do you think future. it was appropriate for her to do that about a town hall question? I don't honestly know the specifics of it. Um, it sounds like uh, CNN looked into it and, and took action as they saw fit. But again, Anderson, I'm just not interested in these things in the past. This is why we've got to move beyond 2016. We have a governor's election less than a week away in Virginia. We've got critical midterm elections. And, and I, I can't say it enough. This tax plan the Republicans are, posing, are proposing is okay. outrageous. So That's the fight. That's we, where we need to be as Democrats. I do also want to ask you about the, the dossier, obviously, because we haven't had you on the record on that. You were, were you aware that the Clinton campaign uh, was at least in part funding it along with the DNC? But uh, I'll only ask you about the Clinton campaign because the, the campaign chair, John Podesta, says he had no idea. I talked to Brian Fallon. He said he had no idea. I mean, it seems like nobody in the Clinton campaign has stood up and said, oh, yeah, I knew this and I was the one who helped sign off on it. Well, look, for, uh, I, do, I didn't know that we were paying the contractor that uh, created that document. I didn't. Uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, what I did know, and that is that when we started to look into Donald Trump's business dealings, it was this massive tree of LLCs and shell companies. Uh, we were overwhelmed. Uh, we were out of our league on it, frankly. And so I asked our lawyer, and I gave him a, a budget allocation to investigate this, particularly the international aspect. My understanding is that dossier is the product of not just research that was funded by our campaign, but also by Republican donors, uh, and that they put that all together and gave that to the press. Right, right. Um, Jonathan Steele was hired, I, I, I guess, uh, after the Republican uh, people started it, dropped out, and, and once you guys were paying for it. But, I mean, did the, I know the dossier was something that was compiled later. Were you or other people in the campaign or who in the campaign was seeing the memos that, that Jonathan Steele was putting out. I mean, you guys are paying for opposition research. You must have been seeing the fruits of that throughout the campaign, no? Well, we were getting briefings that were put together uh, by the law firm um, with information. I, d I don't and they know wouldn't say, where it came And they from, wouldn't though. say, we've hired this guy, Jonathan Steele, and he's got sources in Russia, and, and this is information in trips and traps? What I know is that... Christopher and, Steele, sorry. Yeah. Well, what I've known is what I've read in the press, that I think it was $1.2 million that was spent on this overall project, uh, and that I think it was like 120000 some fraction of that went to this steel uh, uh, company. So I don't, I don't know who else, you know, contributed to these reports. I, 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 but were you it, seeing... It was packaged for us. You must have been seeing... Uh, I mean, you were saying get briefings from the lawyer. You must have been seeing... Uh, what was it in memo form? Memos of okay, now there's this interview, and this person is saying this about the, the president's business dealings in Russia or this activity. Well, w when you're on a campaign, you have a strategic team, um, and you come together and go over all this information. So our internal team was presenting information, our lawyer was presenting information, um, you know, and we and we sort of learn things in in pieces. Um, I, I just can't attribute to you what piece of information, you know, came to us at what time or where it came from, frankly. You know, um, Donna Brazile, the former interim chief of the Democratic Party, writes an expose of a book basically saying, truthfully, what we already knew. We call the Clinton machine the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party is the Clinton machine. Now we know from Donna Brazile 
that it's absolutely true. She controlled the finances. They had written agreements in place to control who was personnel, basically rigging the primary against Bernie Sanders. Should we really be surprised at these revelations? Oh, my goodness. I did a dramatic reading of that article on Politico on air yesterday because this is one of my favorite stories to ever emerge about the, the Democrat swamp. Uh, this part, this is something that we've talked about for a long time. I have really long believed that Bernie Sanders was the actual primary candidate. Uh, when you have to use your superdelegates to cheat your way into winning caucuses and primaries, and granted, the GOP have a similar system, but superdelegates on the Democrat side, they wield a lot of power. And when you have have to employ all of those individuals in order to actually win primaries and caucuses. There's something wrong with your your legitimacy as a candidate. And so to see something like this, first off, it was amazing to see that the former president ran the party just about as well as he did the country. When you look at the that the party was $24 million in debt, they had no bench of which to speak. They lost so many legislatures around the state, so many gubernatorial offices around the state. And then here you have the Clinton machine grant that was taking up all all of the rest of the all of the remaining resources and using that as a way to strong arm and keep control of the DNC, which now that Debbie Wasserman Schultz and now Donna Brazile, who I think is doing this as a Hail Mary pass to save her reputation. You know, we were friends. I sat with her one time in ABC's makeup room and we talked about gumbo. And then I asked her one question about de uh, the debate and passing questions to Hillary Clinton. And I was very nice. Grant, you know me. I'm all about making friends. And she blocked me on Twitter. So that, you know, I'm a little sore about that. But uh, I'm, nobody's surprised to see this because this is what we've known this for a long time. I mean, when you are ambitious and greedy enough that you would screw over your own party and imperil your party's chances to actually win greater victories down ballot, that's terrifying. Do you really want someone like that in the White House where they're willing to screw the pooch just over their own ambition? That's a terrifying prospect. Now to the big ugly. Before we close loops, the Texas shooting. I will tell you up front, he was a lefty. He was part of Antifa. His Facebook was discovered and gone over by conservatives with actual print screens. He liked atheism. He went there for a purpose. I'll surmise it at the end. But the moment this happened, every asshole in the world came out. The first is our asshole of the day. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole? You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. He's an asshole. Now before I read it, I want you to understand, this very person was telling us a week ago, we can't judge an entire religion by the actions of one person. But Chelsea Handler, right when the, woo, the, the news broke. Innocent people go to church on Sunday to honor their God, and while doing so, get shot and killed. What country? America? Why? Republicans. 
Hot on her heel, Joy Reid, the NRA is soaked and bathed in blood. How do its adherents sleep at night? Lori Ann will sum it up. Vile woman, shame on you. They didn't wait. They knew this guy was a lefty. Now, let's just lay it out. Let's just lay it out for you. Hotchkinson, assassination list. Four days on the news, buried. Vegas, no motive, pretty obvious. Went to shoot a bunch of country music people, which should be who? Trump voters, yeah. Antioch, media never covered. Black guy, killing white people. Now, white dude, Antifa linked. Atheist, kills 27 people in a church. So how does the left really look at it? Because they know if they don't spin guns or something, this is going to get on their doorstep again because of their rhetoric. Liz Bustamante, fuck all you motherfuckers and stupid ass people that voted for Donald Trump. I hope you guys are happy. I hope you guys are happy to teach your children that it's okay to be racist. It's okay to hate other people. It's okay to treat others differently. And since now it's okay to hate, to carry guns with us in this country, I don't know how come nobody has shot this motherfucker already. I should take one for the team and go kill him. One hour after the shooting. Will Wheaton. The murdered victims were in a church. If prayers did anything, they'd still be alive, you worthless sack of shit. Replying to Paul Ryan. Max Boot, I'm sick and tired of thoughts and prayers for mass shooting victims. What we need is legislation and regulation. Start with assault weapon banning. Nicholas Kristoff, another horror. I hope you cannot just mourn, but also act so as to reduce the risk of more shooting deaths. Stephen King, how many more have to die before he enacts saying gun laws? Elizabeth Warren, thoughts and prayers are not enough. GOP, we must end this violence. We must stop these tragedies. People are dying while you wait. No, people are dying because of your rhetoric, Congresswoman, Senator, whatever the fuck. Your rhetoric is making these people kill conservatives by any means necessary. Fight in the street. There'll be more blood. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was attorney fucking general. Alyssa Milano. There are no background checks on long guns, AR-15s in Texas. A complete and utter fucking lie. Chuck Todd feeds this. This is his article or his transcript from Meet the Press talking about, and this is prior to the shooting, talking about that horrible video that they ran in the Ed Gillespie Gillespie race. I'm sure you've been familiar with the ad itself and the controversy around the ad and the Republican Party's response that it was basically Democrats don't like it when you know when Republicans stereotype Are you stereotyping? I drive a pickup truck. Are all pickup drivers racist? That's what the ad, do you understand why some people think the ad implies that? Well, you know, Chuck, Tom Perez answers, let's be clear about what's happening in the race in Virginia and all too many races. Dog whistle politics. When you hit the bully back and the bully starts crying, those are crocodile tears to me. So yeah, we're okay with it. We're okay to put so much fear into people 
that they do stuff like this. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. This weekend, Rand Paul, five broken ribs, Democrat neighbor, beat him to fuck. He's had a guy try to get a gun towards him, and now beaten. Because of this kind of politics. It's going down. 2.50 a.m. Sunday morning. I think the victory lap taken by all the black mass types to be detrimental to the anti-fascist cause. If you're just following a black flag and can't handle a little criticism or self-introspection, you're not helping. David Polark, go up to the heart of the far right, conservative churches. Anarchy, baby. Let's go get whitey. It's from their website. They liked it. Hodgkinson, Las Vegas, Antioch, Texas Church, Rand Paul, Corker, nameless other people beaten up by Antifa, motivated by the rhetoric of the left. When will the left be held accountable for their ads, their rhetoric that is driving people to go Kill, hurt, assault. When? I'm asking. Because as we started this show, specifically, it's okay for a white congressman to scream at a black woman. It's okay for the media to blame every Republican, the NRA, for an Antifa guy killing people in a church. Here's the problem with your rhetoric left. It was an armed citizen that killed him. An armed citizen killed him. Guns wouldn't have stopped this. Your rhetoric would have. If you just stop. In the days that followed, the president was clear it was not the time to discuss policy. Well, we're not going to talk about that today. We won't talk about that. We'll be talking about gun laws as time goes by. In contrast, within hours of yesterday's terror attack in New York City, he was vowing to step up our already extreme vetting program and calling for an immigration overhaul. We're going to get rid of this lottery program as soon as possible. The conflicting reactions to two tragedies angered some Muslim American leaders. Why the hypocrisy? Why the double standards? Stark contrast to his response to the shooting in Las Vegas last month when the White House for days said it was inappropriate to talk about politics or policy. Within hours of the New York attack, the president unloaded in a series of political tweets. I have just ordered Homeland Security to step up our already extreme vetting program. Being politically correct is fine, but not for this. The program randomly selects applicants from countries with low immigration rates. There are some requirements like criminal background checks, but Mr. Trump says it isn't tough enough. We have to get much less 
politically correct. The president called the diversity program a Chuck Schumer beauty. Schumer initially supported the 90s era law, but in 2013 backed a bipartisan bill to scrap it. Today, Schumer fired back. I guess it's not too soon to politicize a tragedy. The president just tweeted, he said, the terrorists came into our country through what is called the D diversity visa lottery program, a Chuck yeah. Schumer beauty. I want merit-based. How is this Chuck Schumer's fault? So Chuck Schumer, I believe, sponsored it, but it was a bipartisan piece of legislation, and it was signed into law in 1990 by President George H.W. Bush. Yeah. But I think my question to you was, by focusing on Chuck Schumer, why make a partisan attack this morning? President Trump is blaming Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer for how the suspect was able to get into the U.S. in the first place. He's tweeted this morning, Senate Chuck Schumer helping to import Europe's problems, said Colonel Tony Schaefer. We will stop this craziness. That was about a um, segment, we believe, on Fox News this morning. Um, here is Chuck Schumer's response. Uh, I guess it's not too soon to politicize a tragedy. Well, there you have it. Sorry, we have to talk about this terror attack. Is this Chuck Schumer's fault? Look, here's what he <clears throat> tweeted before those tweets that I just read. Um, the terrorists came into our country through what is called the Diversity Visa Lottery Program, a Chuck Schumer beauty. I want merit-based. He's um, referring to this policy, that uh, legislation that was proposed. I think Chuck Schumer sponsored it in 1990. It was bipartisan. It was bipartisan legislation, and it was signed by George H.W. Bush. But last night on Fox, um, Sean Hannity blamed it on Chuck Schumer or Mark Levin, who's a radio right-wing radio host on Hannity's program, blamed it on Chuck Schumer. And so is this where the president gets his policy ideas? Senator Jeff Flake just tweeted about all of this. I'm reading it for the first time, and you're hearing it for the first time. Actually, the gang of eight, including Senator Schumer, did away with the diversity visa program as part of broader reforms. I know I was there. I mean, listen, Jeff Flake, as you know, has begun, has begun speaking out pretty vociferously. What are you hearing in the halls of Congress as opposed to whether or not more people and not just Democrats and not just Jeff Flake and John McCain will speak out when they hear something that bothers them about something the president has said? Um, I want to bring in former FBI agent Ali Soufan again. Ali uh, led the investigation of the bombing of the USS Cole in 2000 and was a key figure in investigating the attacks of September 11th, four blocks south of here. I want to get you, Ali, to talk a little bit about the tweets from uh, President Trump, uh, what he said, and specifically the significance of a president of the United States coming out this quickly and speaking this way. This is so... Look, you know, when terrorist attacks happens, often terrorist organizations capitalize on the aftermath of the attack more than the attack itself. How are we going to react to it? How the political leadership is going to react to it? Is it going to unite us as a country or divide us as a country? Well, they want to divide us. That's why they are doing these kind of things. We have to be careful, and our political leadership have to be extremely careful not to actually do something that the terrorists want us to do. See, Willie, today we're dealing with a message. The threat is a message. ISIS and groups like ISIS understand that their most potent weapon is not a bomb, is not a gun, is not a knife, is not even a truck. 
it's a message. The message is bulletproof. And as long as they are able to appeal to people around the world and inspires attack like this, they're going to believe that they are winning. And in a way, they are winning when they inspire an individual like this guy to come and kill eight people in New York City. And what does the terrorist think, Ali, when he wakes up this morning and reads a tweet from the President of the United States who reacts to this by blaming a member, another United States politician of another party? Well, we're creating division inside that country. Terrorism is working. You know, and, and, and unfortunately, with the president's tweet today, he kind of made it clear that the, the, the territorial losses of ISIS in Mosul, in Raqqa, in Iraq and Syria will definitely be overlasted with the inspirational message that ISIS is putting out. Their inspirational message, their brand is still very potent. And this is an example. And President Trump agreed with them in that by dividing our country further. I do want to get to the president's stunning remarks, though, in response to this attack, including calling the U.S. justice system a joke. So let's go to our senior White House correspondent, Jim Acosta. Uh, and, and Jim, I mean, this story started breaking at the end of my show yesterday. We're not even really 24 hours, uh, barely 24 hours in, and the president is already pushing Congress for several yeah. major changes. Right. I think President Trump, Brooke, uh, now has the world record for injecting politics uh, into the aftermath of a terror attack. Uh, that is exactly what has happened in the last uh, 12 hours or so, as the president has been tweeting about this. And then if you look at his comments that he made at the beginning of his cabinet meeting, uh, in addition to re re regarding the U.S. justice system as a joke and a laughingstock, he also called about uh, or called for, I should say, sweeping changes to the nation's immigration system, saying that uh, we should get rid of this diversity lottery system uh, that has been in place for almost two who, um police have now talked to. They're saying they're telling police that they heard this driver saying, yelling, Alu Akbar, Alu Akbar, during this incident, which is now leading authorities to believe that this is a, as a result, uh, that this is now a terrorism case. And I'm just getting an update now. The FBI is taking over this case because uh, it appears now that this is terrorism. The Arabic chant, Allah Akbar, God is great, um, sometimes uh, said under the, mo the most beautiful of circumstances, and, and too often we hear of it being, being said in moments uh, like this. Uh, General Clapper um, when you were directed, you don't need a manual to get into a car and look for a bike path. I mean, that is the frightening right. aspect of this. Eight people dead now, many injured, because somebody simply had the will to do something. You can call it cowardly, which it is, but it simply requires the human soul to go that direction and say, I'm going to do this rather than drive a car down a street with nobody on it, I'm going to drive over people. And, right. and have and the, 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 what do you call it, the intestinal evil to be able to keep driving after you've hit the first person. That, that requires some real evil. But your thoughts? Well, you're absolutely right. It is evil. And what it is is you are seeing the physical manifestation of a cult ideology. And what you're seeing is not Islam whatsoever. None of this is condoned, <clears throat> including the, you know, sacrificing and getting yourself killed at the end of a terrorist attack. None of that is Islamic. It's anti-Islamic. And what you're seeing is these, these people have, <clears throat> have created a belief system in which mass murder, as we saw in 9-11 and as we've seen all throughout the Middle East, they kill more Muslims than anyone else, where mass murder is their act of worship. And that's just cultism. And even 
Christians. We've seen Catholics in, in Canada who converted to quote-unquote Islam and then carried out acts of terror. You see them do this, and what you really see is a person who either has a mental defect or who has, you know, some loss and vacuum in their world, and they decide ISIS or Al-Qaeda ideology and those acts will validate them once yeah. and for all in their I do find it uh, fascinating, Mike, uh, that after a man shot hundreds and hundreds of people in Las Vegas, uh, we heard for weeks, because this was going to be seen as a gun debate, that it was too soon to start talking about policy. Now is not the day to talk about policy. Now is not the week to talk about policy. Now is not the month to talk about policy. Once again, within minutes of an attack anywhere on the globe, Donald Trump immediately starts talking policy. And he starts talking about his answers uh, through policy. The sort of things that they tell us we can never talk about after hundreds and hundreds of people are shot in Las Vegas. And of course, you see nothing happening, not even on the bump stock compromise uh, that actually would have made a big difference out in Las Vegas, according to a lot of people. Well, that was something that supposedly even the NRA was going to let pass, but now uh, the cowards in Congress have decided not to do that and let legal guns uh, take on the characteristics of illegal guns. And yet Donald Trump and his people still saying, uh, again, too early to talk about guns. It's always too early to talk about guns. It's never a right time to talk about guns. And yet after seconds after an act of terrorism, Donald Trump's on Twitter uh, not waiting for any of the facts to come in. I'm always surprised when a new norm is obliterated. And I asked Jeremy Bash this question yesterday. Is, is, is this response to the attack a norm that was violated but that his supporters will love? Or, or is this one where he's actually jeopardized the case? I think it's both. Uh, and I think, you know, when you look at what he's doing, there is a consistency in his response to these kind of situations, to terrorism, when the terrorism appears to be carried out by somebody who's from an Arab country, Muslim country, not from the United States. This is the rhetoric that we heard all throughout the campaign, that the bloodthirst, uh, the aggression, um, the retribution, those are things that his supporters really like. Now that he's president, uh, it is problematic, as Pete as Pete pointed out, the fact that these are subtle legalities basically tells you that these never once occurred to the president because he was, as Phil pointed out, just answering a question. And everything is done kind of rapid fire in the moment, just read and react. It's all improvisational. But it does, the, the, the unifying thread is the sort of broader politics of Donald Trump, the, the ethnocentric nationalism. He did not react this way when a white person shot dozens of people in Las Vegas. He did not come and say, well, we have to do an immediate policy change. We need to give this guy the death penalty. He did not call for this after Charlottesville, when, when, when the, the criminal here did the exact same thing as the person in this case, driving a vehicle into a crowd. You step back from all this, and you view it in, in, in the context yeah. of his broader political appeal, it's not surprising at all. Exactly. You shouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, norm I'm after norm after therapy. norm. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm on like on. step seven. <laughs> uh, look, it's obvious here that the president and Republicans and conservatives chose to stay silent after Las Vegas because it confronted and challenged the conservative narrative of unfettered uh, access to firearms. And in this case, 
in New York, it actually confirms the conservative narrative that somehow all of these national tragedies are a result of immigrants who come here and commit these atrocities. Look, we can't overlook with this president that in Vegas it was a man born in the United States with white skin and in New York it was a man born overseas with brown skin. The question is, are these statements by the president and reactions, are they an intentional manipulation of today's politics, or is there an innate and intrinsic bias within this president that does not allow him to confront the reality of public policy making in the wake of national tragedy? The silence of Republicans after Las Vegas is deafening, as they say. Sarah Sanders today said, listen, Trump was just trying to look out for uh, the safety of the American people by speaking out about this immigration policy. But yet he never spoke to the issue of firearms and what is a reasonable compromise between the parties uh, after Las Vegas. And so this is more than just Donald Trump. This is a party who is happy to look the other way when it is domestic homegrown terror, whether it's somebody doing it in the name of ISIS or somebody doing it because they wound over 500 people in Las Vegas. But when it fits their narrative to be xenophobic and to create this fear, to create this binary choice for Donald Trump between the red-blooded Americans that support him and those who represent diversity of the United States, this president will exploit it every time and Republicans in Congress go along with him and it's shameful. That's a lot to digest. So let me, let me go ahead and uh, break it down. All networks criticizing Trump for going political after the attack. It's okay for Texas. They won't browbeat anybody. CNN saying it's partisan. NBC worrying about Muslim backlash. Morning Joe helping ISIS. Trump's helping ISIS. Yeah, okay. Acosta has the stones to say Trump world record politicking. Tapper, Ali Akbar is beautiful in some settings. But the best one... What about those radical Catholics killing people worldwide? Yeah, I haven't heard of that in a very long time. Mojo again. What about the guns? Capper, Como, brown guy with a beard. A Wall Street Journal idiot. Saying, well, he didn't say we should send the dead guy to get Mo, this is going to be repeated numerous times. It was a left talking point. They didn't think through the Las Vegas shooter was dead. How do you send him to fucking get Mo when he's dead? An MSNBC racist. He was a brown guy. Nathan Lean, it doesn't matter whether the New York City shooter shouted Ali Akbar, I love fried chicken. Makes no difference in terms of impact and death. David Vincinetti, it's called motive, dumbass. New York Times ran an article, Ali Akbar, someone been inextricably intertwined with terrorism. Its real meaning is far more innocent. They went full in to defend the fact that every terrorist video you've ever seen has somebody saying Ali Akbar. Everyone! Bunch of racist. Linda Sassar. You know she was going to open her cock trap. Every believing Muslim says Ali Akbar every day during prayer. We cannot criminalize God as great. Prosecute the criminal, not the faith. Whoa, wait a minute. Didn't you tweet about the NRA? Wait, whoa. Rabbi Chaudhry, for the record, Ali Akbar has no inherent political violent connotation. Oh, really? You sure? You sure? Ben Smith, we should ban cars from big cities. Seriously, that's that's another thing. No, no cars. I'm not even reading this fucking tripe. 
I'm not reading it. Everybody trying to remind them that nobody with cars would live there, you dipshit. And then a reporter, Rukmini Chilmachi. I don't know who the fuck she is, but I'd like to get a big sloppy kiss right on her cheek. Because she decided, let's report about the New York City guy. Media's not going to do it. New York Times is going to do it. They're going to talk about how Ali Akbar is so special. I just finished reading the criminal complaint filed against this fuckhead. He followed ICE's instruction to the leather. Showed a picture of it. This is a guy who appeared to have zero remorse, requested ISIS flag for his hospital room, said he felt good about what he'd done. He's been plotting attack one year ago after hearing speech by Baghdadi. I looked up Baghdadi's speech. It was actually one year ago, November 2nd, 2016. Then he released audio. Quote from Baghdadi's speech caught my eye. Martyrdom seekers to create rivers of blood. Complaint says that two months ago, attacker began pondering how to use a truck in order to inflict maximum damage. He rented a truck on Halloween for a two-hour window with no plans of returning it. He wanted to drape ISIS flag over the truck, but decided not to. Might kind of be a sign. Ten days before attack, he rented a truck at the same facility, practiced making turns. He chose Halloween because of number of civilians. I find this timeline insane. At 2.06 p.m. on the day of the attack, he picked up truck agreement to a 75-minute lease. He started mowing people down after three. So, basically, one hour, 60 minutes in it, he was doing it. Everything up to now is aligned with the ISIS message, attack of the home, and retaliation for Iraqi deaths, use the truck, target civilians. It's about to get way more specific. Please read my Pentelentium thread explaining instructions in ISIS magazine. Terror Group's magazine said to use a truck, drive until you can't, jump out, and harm people with secondary weapon. Also, leave a note. That's pretty much what this guy does. Over several blocks, he crushes people in the bike lane, then crushes into a bus. Here's what else he had on him. A bag of knives. The ISIS magazine says use a knife or a gun in secondary attack. Authorities also recovered two cell phones on the scene. They appear to contain trove of ISIS propaganda. If this was 2014 or 15, I'd tell you you probably found these videos online. In 2017, it's very hard. ISIS content on YouTube is taken down within hours. So how does someone end up with so many videos? Radicalized young men drawn to ISIS congregating chat rooms on app Telegram. She gets the key to it. Goes in. With all the ISIS links found so far, I'd like those who insist that ISIS claim everything to explain to me why ISIS hasn't claimed it. And then she breaks down and takes them months to get it. What did Jake Tapper and the rest say? There was a time we could tell the difference between Fox and the nutjobs and Infowar. It's getting tougher and tougher. Lies are lies. Seltzer. Instead of channeling grief and offering reassurance and resolve, Trump's amplified the fury and desire for vengeance. Do they even read? Do they read their own shit? Instantly after Texas. Vegas. They wanted vengeance. Not on the killer. Mm-mm. They wanted it on conservatives. They also think he made dry runs. And he came through the diversity visa program. A, a Schumer. A Schumer. Inspired plan. 
The suspected New York attacker, Soyufa Sapafov, was interviewed in 2015 by Federal Agents Department of Homeland Security, investigation unit about possible ties to suspected terrorists, but the agents did not have evidence to open a case on him, law enforcement officials said, told ABC. Sapafov's name and address is listed as a point of contact for two different men whose names were entered in the counterterrorism and criminal exploitation unit list after they came to the United States from threat countries. One federal official said, one of the two men has vanished is being actively sought by federal agents as a suspected terrorist. Great program, right? Great program. And, and before he bullshits, this is Schumer when he got this bill through. He's almost crying with the families of immigrants, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer criticized the president's executive order and announced he's planning to introduce legislation to get it overturned. This executive order was, was mean-spirited and un-American. And I, as your senator from New York, will claw, scrap, and fight with every fiber of my being until these orders are overturned. Already, press conference with the families of immigrants... I set that up wrong. That is him almost crying over the ban from the country this fuckhead came from. See, my question is, why is the left so ready to condemn, crush, disparage, name-call Americans who are part of the NRA. I'm a part of the NRA, folks. I'm a member of the NRA. I have no desire to kill people. My guns are secure. My ammo is secure. I use it, my AR, for rifle ranges as I've talked. I don't go doing, I have no desire to go out in the middle of the street and shoot people. I carry mine because the left wants to let everybody in the country other than conservatives. So Schumer's going to cry about a visa program, basically, that's going to get hampered by a ban that he devised to allow a fucker to come in and kill Americans. They're all upset about that. They're upset about the NRA. Stephen Miller backs me up. NRA is to blame for mass shootings, but don't you dare blame immigration policy for terrorist attacks. See the box media has backed itself into? J.R. Saltzman, are people really arguing over the context and significance of a terrorist, Ali Akbar? Haven't people ever seen a terrorist video? Eight out of ten U.S. Muslims say it's not cool to rent a truck and kill a bunch of people. But two out of ten say it's fucking okay. What does that say? He even breaks it down to 2.6 Muslims living in the U.S. That's a half a million people that think it's okay. Colbert! Uh, let's just get, get to the point. Colbert, the moral compass of America, Jimmy Kimmel, nothing. Here's Kobel. Our president tweeted about the attack. Kobel said it, and while Trump offered thoughts and condolences for the victims, didn't it take long for him to start attacking New York Senator Chuck Schumer this morning? It was time for politics. Mmm. Okay. Okay, gotcha. I even got shit on it. 
The diversity lottery, visa lottery is now open. Call my office. You need more information or if you'd like to see if you're eligible to apply. Yvette D. Clark, Democrat, all over Twitter. They were tweeting this shit. Tweeting. Tomania. White America must apologize for the Las Vegas shooter. If you don't, you're a fucking Nazi like the rest of them. One asshole Muslim doesn't mean we condemn a whole fucking people. Get it through your sick head. But the whole, yeah, okay, gotcha. Isaac Stonefish is a journalist and sabbatical of Foreign Policy magazine. He's also, as it turned out, a cold-hearted bastard. Check out his callous, dismal dismissal of those feared after yesterday's attacks. Thanks for asking if I'm safe after this New York City attack where over 8.5 million people live here, making the odds of getting killed roughly 1 in 1.7 million. Please stop tweeting. No one is safe. That's not the way to go through life. You probably bike without a helmet, which is far more dangerous. The most Trumpian thing most people do is overreact to small terrorist attacks. Hmm. So many points out. Eight dead to them. Small. After Vegas, Trump said he wanted to wait to have a conversation about gun control. After New York City, POTUS immediately pounced on immigration. Jim Acosta. Nicholas Kristoff, the New York City terrorist had a pellet gun and paintball. Good thing that NYC, he couldn't buy assault rifles or the toll would be higher. <clears throat> Trucks can be lethal, so we regulate them. Require license, seatbelt, liability insurance. That's the model for gun safety. Here's the problem, dickhead. You can get a fucking rental truck all you fucking want. You don't need any of that. Shut up. He even goes into knives and goes back to the terrorists. Pierce Morgan ran his cock trap. Joy Reid. So what you're saying is, you should, we, you would have liked to see an armed shootout on the streets of New York near a school bus like you do in Tennessee. And when will we get motive in the Las Vegas massacre? Cause she's still banking that it's a conservative. It's not Joy. Chris Cuomo. Not sure what can be done, but I know that the, that, what that that was the time to talk about it now bump stocks huh david from it's premature to discuss policy sarah huckabee said and mark murray senior political editor for nbc news called president trump's difference differing responses on two tragedies striking comparing trump's tweets of new york city attack 24 hours of alex vegas a striking difference think progress progress editor did the Wall Street Journal two-step? Sending him into Gitmo, Trump says, referring to Shapov. He said no such thing about the Vegas shooter. Because he's fucking dead. Jay Willis, a whole article. Why does Donald Trump want the death penalty for the New York attack, but not for the others? Edit. 18 hours later, an earlier version of this article used a headline on that Trump had publicly called for the death penalty in New York, but not the Las Vegas shooter. The discrepancy is probably related to the fact that the Las Vegas shooter is dead. We regret the error. Took him 18 hours to realize whoever handed out that spin was smoking fucking peyote. Brian Fallon, whenever someone brings up diversity visa to the lottery today, ask them how that ban on bump stock is coming along. You know, the thing about it that cracks me the fuck up, they are so callous about terrorist attacks. They give no fucking shits. They just don't care. Newsweek, Trump immediately politicized New York City terrorist attack using Twitter to blame liberals. 
I, I could keep reading. There's no, there's just no nothing. They have full printouts. I could read you about how difficult it is to get a car, a driver's license, a pet, a spouse, an abortion. The funny thing is these are the same people that say we need to regulate shit other than voting, other than fucking immigration. Don't need to fucking do anything about that. But guns, oh, we need to get down with the dog pound. Fucking hypocrites. On to fucking Papa John's before I bust a vein in my head. Within his right to say that because what he's reminding folks is what it, what this all comes down to in the eyes of the business world. And that is business, the bottom line. And he's saying that the bottom line, our bottom line has been affected by what has been transpiring. Now, if you're the National Football League owners, you really need to take a good hard look at yourself because you need to ask yourself this one simple question. If we had simply made sure that Colin Kaepernick was in the National Football League, would any of this be happening? Because if you recall, Colin Kaepernick kneeled. And when he kneeled and ultimately the television cameras started following him, for some reason following him, as opposed to a guy like Marshawn Lynch, who was sitting on a cooler eating a banana during the national anthem, as opposed to Colin Kaepernick, who was taking the knee. And nobody said anything to Marshawn Lynch, but they said something to Colin Kaepernick. If you're the National Football League at that particular moment in time, if you recall... In the aftermath of all of that, eventually when Colin Kaepernick departed from the San Francisco 49ers, he announced to the world that he would no longer be taking a knee, at least according to the reports. So if that was his position, why not just take him on board and bring him on? Because what really stirred the cup in all of this was the fact that he was still without a job where clearly uh, uh, there was Scott Tolzien and, and other quarterbacks in the NFL had no business being on a roster before him. Then, of course, we heard the president with his SOB comments aimed towards players who were protesting, and that really stirred things up uh, to an elevated degree. Yeah, but, in but, the end, but, but in the end, what it comes down to is this. If you're looking at this, the CEO for Papa John's is making sense because he's reminding everybody this is, comes down to brass tacks. This is about the bottom line. And the other thing that we can't ignore, guys, is this. And ladies and Molly, we can't ignore this. You know... The CBA matters. And the reason I bring that up is because you have a salary cap that's visited every single year. If I'm losing dollars as a league, then ultimately the cap and the projected number that it was supposed to be at may not be met. And suddenly the numbers might be lower. And as a result, few of roster spots or fewer dollars are going to be available to the players. Papa John CEO oh, bringing this up is going, is going to is going to. Yeah, you hear all that fucking bullshit? Papa John's has now pulled ads, which I think is fucking fan-fucking-tastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. But the left didn't like it. Judd Legum outright just fucking said what the left's trying to spin on this. Papa John's CEO thinks black athletes are hurting pizza sales by demanding civil rights. <laughs> yeah. From his, uh, Adam Peck also had an article. The fast food industry is full of conservative boogeyman. Ronald McDonald has been a poster child, poster clown, for the opposition to livable wages. Andrew Putzer, the CEO of CK Restaurants, which owns Hardee's and Carl's Jr., was Donald Trump's pick to serve as labor secretary before he withdrew for consideration. After video emerged of him, former wife accusing him of spouse abuse. Chick-fil-A faced a national boycott. After company president came out as a virulent homophobe. Yeah, the guy said he wasn't for 
gay marriage, and he didn't get boycotted. He improved sales by 25%. Me and the wife bought chicken that week. Papa John's, as it turns out, is really no different. Conservative black woman. I've read this article three times, and not once did the CEO say anything about black athletes. Calling people racist has become a big biz for libs. Maybe I missed it, so if somebody wants to point it out to me, I gladly accept that he said such a thing. There is actual racism happening all over this country, and liberals do this BS and muddy the water, and then they have to nerve to complain that people ignore cries of racism. Stop calling every fucking buddy a racist, you ass clowns. You're hurting the cause with this everyone's a racist. Racist, they don't agree with us. BS. You're hurting black people. Literally. Knock this shit off. There's enough actual racism to fill your monthly quotas. Go after that assholes. Thanks. Parik Shakur, MD. I said the same thing yesterday. This has totally been taken out of context. I love this woman. I started following her because that would have been my rat. If everything's fucking racist, nothing's racist. David Burge, I suppose I should be surprised that the Papa John story has been a longer-lasting Twitter outrage generator than the New York terrorist attack. And it's so true. But, if it's all fucking bullshit, how about a couple tidbits for you, because you're never going to hear them in the media. One U.S. military veteran has taken a stand against NFL players kneeling to the National Anthem. He was to get a honor. He said, fuck you. I don't want anything to do with the Saints. You all kneel. Hall of Fame Dodgers announcer Vin Sully on the anthem protest. Protest. I will never watch another NFL game again. Of course he was called a flaming racist. Flaming racist. Yeah. There you go, man. There you go. Two last tidbits. Then we'll go to our tweets of the day. Dustin Hosman. Dustin Hoffman, sexual harassment. Yeah. I couldn't get him in the other one. I got a whole spacey thing we're going to do today. It's like a vignette. I had to do it. And last but not least, why has the Las Vegas massacre disappeared from the news cycle? It is true that the mainstream media dictates what stays center in the mind of the public and what is always allowed to fade away and be forgotten. It is of the utmost importance we remain aware how exhaustive it may be of stories that just don't add up. Paddock's onslaught left 58 dead and 546 injured. The Vegas shooting has disappeared from the cable news channels. Even online discussion of the shooting has all but vanished. The official timeline of the Vegas shooting has changed three times. A week before the attack, Paddock wired 100,000 to account of Philippines. Paddock also took cruises to ports of the Middle East. Paddock's laptops was also missing its hard drive when recovering the hotel room despite a month of being told otherwise it's now been revealed that Pat- police did discharge fire in paddock's room but why if paddock had already killed himself for the police breached the room jesus campos the security guard first reportedly found paddock as he started his killing spree and was shot in the leg however he not only disappeared after scheduling several television inter- interviews but it's now been revealed campos reportedly left the fucking country why did Campos get to leave the country? Not only that, but Campos said to have been last heard from when he went to a walk-in health clinic. But a spokesperson for UMC Quick Care said they never heard anything about Campos, and he never visited him. The generous interviewed him. She guides Campos along the interview, essentially framing and explaining the timeline events so Campos didn't have to. My 
sentiments exactly. You know why it fell off the fucking news? The same reason Hodgkinson fell off the news. The motherfucker was a fucking leftist. And I'm sure as shit going to be talking a week from now. You won't hear fucking shit about the goddamn Texas shooting. It will drop off the radar. The motive will not be put out. Because now they're scared the people that actually have the guns are going to start carrying their guns all the time. Because you never know when a crazy fucking leftist is going to shoot you. Beautiful tweet of the day. Goodbye, Teen Vogue print edition. We hardly knew you. Condé Nast to close Teen Vogue. I guess we won't be able to have any more teenagers learning how to do fucking anal sex. Stonewall Jackson is another tweet of the day. I want to remind everyone that when Obama became president, one of the first things he did was have Department of Homeland Security erase their entire radical Islamic database. The list held the names of terrorist suspects throughout America. That's true. I researched it. They did it. Politico, Hispanic Hispanic caucus weighs whether to let a Republican join. Just let that marinate. These caucuses were really about the race. It wouldn't matter what party, but, you know, whatever. A Shah Sultan starts a really good one. I just saw a TV reporter pronounce it as Alu Akbar, which literally translates to potatoes are great. Gabe Rosenberg, fact check. Potatoes are, in fact, the greatest. This is fucking how far we went into the goddamn bucket of stupid over Ali Akbar. The media has to protect it. But the NRA, go fuck yourself. State of the Union, though, is our tweet of the day. Senator Feinstein tells Jake Tapper on CNN's State of the Union that she has been, has seen no evidence of the Trump campaign got any dirt on Clinton from the Russians. Of the day. A lot of people are, of course, frustrated by Trump's reaction to the terror attack here in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but you said recently uh, via tweet that Trump and his family have done more damage to America than bin Laden and ISIS combined. Yes. Do you believe that? Yeah, we're, we're, we did really well after 9-11. I don't think we, the country has given itself enough credit for what we did not do after 9 we, we did not restrict all of the freedoms in this country. We did not single out people. We yeah. did not destroy the fabric. people died on 9-11. Yes. I mean, the comparison is absurd. Well, do you mean the time but, after? But, then, but more people died in the Iraq war than died in 9-11. We didn't need to be there. You think that bin Laden did less to damage America than President Trump? Yes. Can I tell you something? When I hear rhetoric like that, I want, I think Whoopi and I are in agreement that we want Americans to come together. And rhetoric like that is so damaging. And by the way, my brother fought in the Iraq war and deployed numerous times. So before we start tit for tatting, there's a lot of service in my family. Yes. So I don't understand when you're saying things like that. Bin Laden was dedicated to the destruction of all everything that we hold dear in our freedom. So when you Perhaps compare some people it to think that, Trump is dedicated yeah. to the destruction I believe of, I'm asking of things the question. Too. Actually, it was my question. My favorite person in politics, in American politics in the 21st century, is your father. Well, okay? I, I no, no, no. That. But, but what I'm saying is, 
In, in, in retrospect, based on what we've seen in the last two years in this country, I owe him an apology. Oh. I probably owe George W. Bush an apology. Shut up. And I would happily take a third term of George W. Bush rather than this. I was going to play motherfucker of the day because I, 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 what a fucking piece of fucking shit. What a fucking piece of fucking shit. I hate that motherfucker. Another one comes. Warning, Scott Ligometer is running over Virginia families. Well, Trump does in D.C., Ligometer does in Richmond. That's another fucking ad out of Virginia. They don't have a truck, but it's a billboard saying, hey, he's running over people. Chris Hayes, a Gillespie winner of VA, would send the signal to every GOP political that the way to win is Trumpian white identity politics, full stop. Phil Kirpin, or could just be accusing a reasonable moderate Republican of wanting to run down minority children in a Ford truck tends to backfire. They won't even acknowledge it's happening. Andrew Mullen, shorter Chris Hayes, if you vote for Ed Gillespie, you might as well be a murderous truck-driving redneck. That's how fucked up our media is. Even Toad, if you go through the whole show, he didn't bring any hate down. Let a fucking Republican do that ad. Flip it up. White couple walking down a street. Bunch of black kids killing them. Let that shit fly. It's the same concept. Another hate tweet from a piece of fucking shit. Snoop Dogg, make America crip again. Showing Trump dead on a slab. Somehow, that's... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hate tweets with some fun in them. I am Hillary was one. Hashtag I am Hillary. Who are you? How did I get in this van? Where's my shoes? What's a Wisconsin? (laughs) I am from Eric Stratton. I am Hillary. Complete lack of self-awareness. Dixie Darling. I'm a two-time loser. Political diva. I'm a psycho- psychopathic, narcissistic, pandering, fraudulent, money laundering criminal. Who am I? I'm Hillary. Little Rocket Man. Anyone who does not accept the results of the election is a danger to democracy. Thank you. Peter Dow. I must have woken up in an alternative universe where a positive and respectful hashtag about Hillary Clinton is trending and he never read it. He never fucking read it. He's too busy jerking off to a picture of it. It goes on forever. I paid $10 million for fake Russian dossier. Nasty woman shirt. Uh, Flint one was good. Prepper frog. I'm Hillary, and I think that all victims of sexual assault deserve to be heard unless it was my husband who did it. Then those bimbos can shut the fuck up. Kimberly Kawahu Koa blames Flint water crisis on Republicans and racists. I am Hillary, and it shows a picture of Everybody on the Flint City Council, and everyone including the mayor, is a fucking Democrat. There's not a single Republican there. I going to put this in the back end, but this is just pure hate. Rose Parade criticized for choosing Gary Sinise as Grand Marshal. Once again, showing the left hates soldiers. They just hate soldiers. Exclamation point. Lena Dunham, 
What if 30 million women or so filed a class action suit against the president for emotional distress? Just spitballing here. Rachel, oh my God, read the comments. Women actually say they need therapy and take meds because of Trump. (laughs) Woo! Hypocrisy of the day without a bumper. This one is fantastic. A huge woman that makes me look skinny, blue hair, is the culprit of the following. Through our investigation, we had learned that this was done by a Twitter customer support employee who did this on the employee's last day. We're conducting a full internal review. By now, you already know that was Trump's Twitter account being deactivated. Deactivated. I want you just to pause for the cause, my friends, and tell me, do you think that would not be running on your nightly news and repetitive with the CNN Chiron racist piece of shit Republican NRA member KKK Aryan deletes the anointed, the most highly awesome president ever, the most scandal-free president, Obama, Twitter. Every Republican would have to answer for that. It wasn't even a fucking blip for a day. This one is the ultimate. David Korn. When it comes to raising awareness about sexual assault, Donald Trump leads by example. Hot headline this week, David Korn investigated for inappropriate workplace behavior. Mother Jones Magazine says it looked into allegations against his D.C. bureau chief in 2014 and believe they were remedied. I guess not. Momo. Corn probed? Um, phrasing. <laughs> Other hypocrisy could be a stat. With respect to hashtag DNC leak, I just want anybody who was out on Twitter during the election, if you did hashtag DNC leak, it kept on like getting blocked, changed, and sometimes you just didn't see your tweets. Oh, this is why. Approximately 23,000 users posted around 140,000 unique tweets in that hashtag in the relevant period. Of those tweets, roughly 2% were from potential Russian-linked accounts. So what did Twitter do? They blocked 50% of them. Not the Russian bots. 50% were blocked. Tell me, just tell me for a second, now that we have Twitter... Blocking 50% of an anti-Hillary hashtag and deleting the president's fucking account. Do you, do you not think we need a little council with some Republicans over there? Oh no. They're, they're unbiased. Twitter's for liberals, Tony. You morons don't know what the fuck you're, you can't articulate in 140 characters. New York Times. No fucking shit. No. Fucking shit. The nightmare must end. The Trump-Pence regime must go. November 4 begins. Be there. Join with the thousand. RefuseFascism.org got a full-page ad in the New York fucking Times. 
I want you to just put it in apples and apples. Do you think a pro-life group would, because I'm sure they did, I, I will bet you a dollar they'd have to pay fucking shit for that. I bet they'd have to pay the normal price. And if they did, it was with Soros' money, but whatever. If a pro-life group tried to get that ad, do you think it would go on the New York Times? Do you think for a million dollars they'd let them do it? How about two million? They never print that ad. Ever. It wouldn't go. A, a fucking Republican. Do you think the fucking Tea Party to get Rome apples with Rome apples would ever get an ad in the New York Times? Yeah, you know it's wrong. New York Times Ruttenberg blames Fox New York Post for covering Hillary Russian ties. Because they don't want to cover it over there. They're still spinning. Yeah. Washington Post promotes gay vegan Wiccan. Guy's yeah, going to have a full-time article. Because you know you need to know what gay vegan Wiccans think. Yeah, it's very important. Brian Fallon, Sanders targets of late POTUS, Planned Parenthood, Human Rights Campaign, the South, the DNC. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's you. Sanders last month will win New York. Sanders last week will win New York. Sanders uneven New York. Hey, look at our bogus allegations about the DNC. I brought that one up because I just want that to marinate. Let it just marinate. That's the motherfucker that knew it was happening. They, they knew it. I, I, I don't even, I don't even know. And before we go into our media mash, couple extra ones, ones I misrouted, Donna Brazil admitted now, finally, she did give answer, uh, questions to Hillary. Sam Stein, if you saw a Russian ad or graphic meme during the election or willing to admit you were persuaded by it, I'd like to hear a story about it because Russia's not working right now and we need to do some more articles with randos that are probably not conservatives. But, okay, that's cool. Laura Trump taking on White House duties is troubling and unprecedented move, officials say. Do you know what a duty is? Laura is interested in partnering with the Humane Society and the VA to give veterans increased access to therapy dogs. And Newsweek, actually, that that's what they went with. This isn't the hill to die on, guys. It's not even a hill to climb. In fact, it's not actually a hill. David Horsey. David Horsey. I don't have a fucking choice. He's our motherfucker of the day. Come you college motherfuckers think y'all run everybody. Motherfucker, 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 motherf
Los Angeles Time reporter David Horsey is under fire after penning a column that referred to Sarah Huckabee Sanders as a chunky soccer mom. Sarah Huckabee Sanders does not look like the kind of woman Donald Trump would choose as his chief spokesman. Much like Roger Ailes when he was stalking the Fox News lineup with blonde Barbie dolls and short, tight skirts, the president has generally exhibited a preference to sleek beauties with long legs and stiletto heels to represent his inter- interests and act as his arm candy. Trump's daughter Ivanka and wife Melania are the hypothesis of this type. My comparison, Santa looks more like a slightly chunky soccer mom who organizes sa- snacks for the kid game. Rather than the fake eyelashes and formal dresses she puts on for news briefings, Sanders seems as if she's be more comfortable in sweats and running shoes. Yet even if Trump privately wishes he had supermodel for a press secretary, he's lucky to have Sanders. Let that sit. On top of it, SNL literally did a whole skit dogging her. Making her like she was butch. Yasher Ali, no conservative. This is a disgusting pile of trash of a column. After over and over being bashed, he finally did this. I want to apologize to Times readers and Sarah Huckabee Sanders for description that was insensitive and failed to meet the standards of our newspaper. I also failed to meet the expectation I have for myself. It surely won't be my last mistake, but this particular error will be scrupulously avoided in my future commentaries. I've removed the offending description. Yasher Ali again. And while David has apologized, I'd like to hear from his editor the offensive passage about SAH didn't go up on its own. Yeah, how was that allowed? Lauren Duca, things that are true at the same time. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, an unabashed enemy of the truth. This profile her of her is sexist trash. Wow, that surprised me. Kurt Schilling, somebody else. I can't believe it. I agree with Lauren Duca. The problem is, the picture never went out. Big Mother, War is Peace, Freedom of Slavery, Ignorance of Strength, Paul Manafort is Hillary Clinton, a picture of her looking like a fucking Nazi, big fat face. Really, this was this as the illustration, slightly chunker soccer mom seems tame. Jerry Beeler, I read your apology. I read your apology, but standing by Big Mother, that's okay? It's okay to do that? Really? Do you think, I hate to repeat myself, do you fucking think for a fucking second Fox could get away with this type of tripe? Do you? Does anybody out there think that Fox could for one second do it? And even though we're media heavy today, before we go on the stats of the day, here's Lemon praising Trump deactivation. And on MSDNC all week, you've heard this spin defending our country accepting bribes on every level of the Obama administration to give away 20% of our uranium to the Russians 
who are supposed to be our sworn fucking enemy, except in 2012, when Obama said that was the foreign policy of the 80s, but for a fucking year and a half, Russia's really bad, but we gave them all the uranium, I am fucking confused. Here's the media mash. What is the definition of compromise as it relates to slavery and the Civil War? Look, I, I'm not going to get in and relitigate the Civil War, it's like I told you yesterday. Um, I think I've addressed the concerns that a lot of people had and the questions that you had, and I'm not, I'm not going to relitigate history here. When you left. So, and I'm going to ask the question again. And Why don't you ask it in the way that you're I'm apparently accusing me of being? I'm not accusing. I'm asking the question, Sarah, seriously. Um, the question is, does this administration believe, does this president believe slavery was wrong? And before you answer, Mary Frances Berry, a historian, said in 1860 there was a compromise. The compromise was to have southern states keep slavery, but the Confederacy fired on Fort Sumter that caused the Civil War. And because of the Civil War, what happened North Point? I think it is disgusting and absurd to suggest that anyone inside of this building would support slavery. Peter. Um, I know you're trying to twist this around there and you focus there. I'm talking about, though, everything we've learned. John Podesta's emails and the things that came out of there, the DNC hack. Do you acknowledge that the Russians were trying everything they could to defeat Hillary Clinton? No, I, Chuck, I don't think that's the case at all. If that was the case, why would the DNC and why would the Podesta team be paying this MI6 agent millions of dollars, like $9 million, to go and get Russia information to provide a false dossier so that they could go after Donald Trump? And, and look, it, granted, it came out after the election, but that was a direct payment. The only payment that we have seen so far so to this anybody conspiracy. directly tied to Russia Corey. was paid. No, no, Chuck, the, there's been never has been a payment from the Trump campaign or the RN to anybody attempting to coordinate with Russia to get information. Right. That's only come from the Democrats. You ever heard of a, of a campaign getting opposition research and then deciding not to use it? I mean, you understand well, that for course. the conspiracy that you're putting together, you have to make the assumption that this was all the, this grand conspiracy that Hillary Clinton did to get caught and somehow lose the election. It, it just, that part of it is, is a head-scratcher here to your no, story Chuck, as to what, Chuck, you're, what you and the no, president no. are trying to paint here. Chuck, I'm just laying out the facts. The Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee paid multiples of millions of dollars to a former MI6 special agent Wait to a minute, obtain information that is not an from Russia. Fact. Corey, that is not an established well, fact. Look, it is a fact the, that the, the lawyer... Went to, it is a fact that the, law, that the attorney and the law firm that represented the Clinton campaign and the DNC paid some money, but you're, you're creating a, a dollar figure here. That is not a provable fact yet. Well, it, look, if you're going to speak in facts, at least speak in facts. All right, stick around, everyone. When we come back, um, with Russia revelations piling up, President Trump is speaking out tonight about Hillary Clinton. Plus, who took President Trump's Twitter account offline for 11 minutes? And how did they do it? Hire that person. I want you to imagine this, President Trump without his Twitter account. It actually happened for several minutes tonight and for a pretty surprising reason. Can we get this one out of the way? We almost had a major crisis tonight. President Trump's Twitter account went down. Uh, Twitter originally said his account was inadvertently deactivated due to human error by a Twitter employee. But after investigating the incident, they found um, that it had been done by an employee on his last day or his or her last day. Yeah. 
Um, it's both hilarious it and also serious, right? It yeah. seems like a customer service employee who wanted to torch the president on the way out. On one level, that's just silly juvenile behavior. Right. On another level, that person could have potentially posted fake tweets, could have posted threatening comments. But isn't it? Doesn't that just sort of reinforce the idea that we should not be? Twitter should not be a serious policy tool that any one, especially someone who's running the free world, should be using. It should be coming directly from the White House. I think you're dreaming a little bit about. Yeah, that. I'm just saying it's and that's this one added filter and one other level where something can go wrong. Right, that's definitely true about. Yeah. Twitter. Well, we don't know what Bob Mueller knows. We also know that so far there has been no evidence of any kind of collusion between the Trump campaign. Why do you keep saying Russia. that? How do you know? Has there been any evidence? Well, we were supposed to be dealing in news here. Bob Mueller is investing. But why are you so eager to get ahead of Bob? Do you trust Bob Mueller? I'm not. I'm not going to make a judgment on Bob Mueller. You don't the know if you can FBI trust Bob. He's the former FBI his, director after 9/11 who prevented a. Are he will you make his determination? Ask, yes or no? Do you trust Bob Mueller? I would trust the process to play out the way it's meant to be played out. Why right can't now, you we say that no... you trust a former FBI director who worked for Republicans and Democrats and kept this country safe after the worst terror attacks on our soil? It's you not can't my... say you trust Bob Mueller? It's not my job to come here and say who I hope I they're paying you a lot trust. of money. Well, I, I want to address something very directly that Mark said about that there's no evidence of collusion. And, of course, that's not true. The chairman of the campaign, now under indictment, Paul Manafort. For nothing that had Donald anything Trump, to do Donald with... Donald Trump Jr. That was back and Jared no, Kushner. History, don't interrupt Mark, me. Mark, 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 Donald, Trump, Donald Trump Jr. met at the invitation of Russian nationals in an email that was titled, you know, essentially from the Russian government to get dirt on the Democratic nominee for, for, for President of the United States. And, every and Hillary Clinton the vice Hang on, hang on, Mark. Vice, we'll let you respond. Every, we'll let you respond. In every... In every instance, uh, from the vice president to the attorney general uh, to the press secretary, the press secretaries, every single person around this administration, when asked a direct question about contacts with Russians uh, on this issue, has lied about it 100% of the time, and the lie is unraveled. And with regard to the uranium deal in the dossier, I think that what you're engaged and involved in here is an absolute premeditated misinformation campaign designed to spin and mislead the American people. This whole charge of collusion with regard to the Democrats is complete and total fantasy land nonsense talk that is propagated on Fox News, propagated in the conservative media entertainment the Washington complex, Post. And you're not and you're not being honest about it in the representations that you're making. Steve, here, here are the facts that we know that started with the Washington Post. I think you've probably heard of them, not Fox News. It started with the Clinton campaign paying hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, yeah. to Fusion GPS, which went out and hired a foreign operative who, Brian Fallon, Hillary Clinton's former spokesperson, said, I would have gone out and helped him if I could have. They went on and then worked with Kremlin tied connections to provide misinformation about the then-candidate, later president-elect of the United States, and to make matters worse, the Hillary Clinton campaign, through their operatives, peddled this trash. Mark, to I, the I will... people, nonsense. starting last... Mark, nonsense. Mark, just, hey, just hey, nonsense. hey, 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 Mark, I will, I will call some friends over at Fox and try to get you a booking, but we're, we're not going to peddle... That, that's not true. And all we're asking you... Listen, we appreciate that you come here and speak yeah. on behalf of Donald Trump, but why can't you say that we don't know... If, I mean, we know there was attempted collusion, if it's not a crime, why are you so defensive about it? Well, I'm not being defensive. You're you are madly defensive. You're about to jump through the camera and punch Well, when I get called, when I get called. I'll send an email over to friends at Fox and you can peddle your propaganda. <laughs>
God damn, Nicole Wallace, what the fuck over? Stats! Fusion GPS was also hired by Planned Parenthood, and now it makes perfect sense. So, I by no means am defending Paul Manafort. He should go to fucking jail if he broke the law. But Manafort's going to jail, Tony Podesta's still not in jail, Hillary, the whole DNC cabal, including Planned Parenthood, used Fusion GPS, who worked with the fucking Russians. Once again, the Russians are bad. What? 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 And the media defends this shit. That's the most amazing thing. This is like an Excel spreadsheet with circular logic. Or when you're trying to put a formula in and just fucking ass fucks your whole thing. You know what I'm saying? That's this whole argument. Automated McDonald's ordering kiosk at SeaTac, home of the 15.34 minimum wage. Lefties jumped all over it trying to defend it. But the fact is, SeaTac has gone straight automated can't afford it poll mccain better liked by dems than republicans republicans 35 percent democrats 52 percent what does that say reality global temperatures continue to go global effect of el nino event seems to have passed and we've cooled to a value just before the event according to the uk hadley climate center this was reported in England, ignored in America, because we're still doing change, cooling, heat. I don't know what they're on today. A million people cut the cord in the last three months, and cable companies are worried. Good stat. It's starting to happen. Kroger, who my son, who doesn't talk to me anymore, works at, they're going to add clothes. For those who don't know, Kroger is actually owned by Fred Myers, which is out of Oregon. And they're going to super Walmart the shit out of Kroger now, which I'm cool with. WAPO is the stat of the day, because I've never seen this. WAPO gives Democrats four Pinocchios for hasty talking points about GOP tax plan. Everything they're saying is fucking wrong. Another stat. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a really good one. Matt Dowd, my GOP and conservative friends, you can't say, can't say you want to hold Trump accountable and then vote GOP. Only way is to vote Dem or independent. I put it in the stats instead of hypocrisy because that sums up our media right now. That dude's a major player on ABC. Snuffburger and company are always spinning for Hillary. That's a fucking journalist, pundit, whatever, on a major news network. He's on Good Morning America. He's on This Week. He's on the Evening News. He just said what Brian Fallon said last podcast, that the only way to stop Trump is to work together. Rashim, R-S-C-H-R-I-M. To paraphrase an instapundit, just think of the media as democratic operatives, and then it all makes sense. It does. 
Because if by the end of this week, you're not convinced the left is totally in control of our media, you're smoking fucking peyote. Or you're part of the Antifa, which just attacked a white church and killed a bunch of fucking people. Okay. So, I had to play this as we go off to our first music break and into our little vignette on Kevin of the Spacey. This is her actual stat of the day segment. This is her talking about how much time she spends on Trump. Music break and some Kevin Spacey shit. Gotta leave it by itself. It's a lot of shit. Do you see I'm a little edgy? Yeah. I spend like pretty much 90% of my waking hours tweeting hatred towards this administration. Yeah, well, now I want to ask you about this because yeah. uh, that is a two-way street. Because yeah. Donald Trump has been uh, has been mad at you for a very long time. Over a decade. Over yeah. a decade. Yes, since this campaign began, that he is bankrupt four times, that he got all his money from his father, and that he notoriously cheats private contractors out of their money. Yes, and that is all Simple pretty facts. well documented. Yeah. Simple facts. And so you said this on The View. And he went bat crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and stayed that way. Stayed that way. <laughs> So, you know, as bad as everyone feels, and they have felt since November 8th, I know for me I've been in a severe depression, although I'd like to say, today after your show I'm going to get a Bob Mueller tattoo. Oh, that's exciting. Because I love him. Where are you going to put it? Have you thought about where you're going to put it? Right over my heart. <laughs> I'm so in love with Bob Mueller. I want to get posters. I want to meet him. Yeah. I like, I just think he, he is it. He doesn't, I, I will, I, I'm not, uh, I don't want to judge Bob Mueller. He looks like a very severe man. Like you a, think? Yeah, he, you know. No, he looks, he looks to me like Superman. <laughs> like Captain America. Like justice has finally arrived back on our shores. And we are going to write I, is that too much? I will say that if um, if he gets if Trump gets indicted, it would be really great if Mueller let you serve the papers. Well, I feel like I have put in that request by tweet. Yeah. The day after the election, do you think it's going to be okay for me to be there? What if he wins? She's like, Rosie, you really have to start working on your negative loop in your brain. <laughs> He is not going to win. Every smart person knows he is not going to win. That night, I was like, listen, you went. <laughs> I am here and I have no Zedda! <laughs> Mommy's better okay. since Bob Mueller last Friday. I love you, Bob. Keep doing what you do. There's something that is better yet. I want ooh, your Christmas kisses. Lots of nice presents, they're all right. But baby, they can't hold me tight. I want ooh, your Christmas kisses. Your Christmas kisses. Wrap them up pretty. The tree is trimmed, the carol sun I want ooh, 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 your Christmas 
the tree is trimmed, the carol sung. I want, ooh, I want, ooh, I want. Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. So last time we talked about Rosie, she was having a nervous breakdown because of Trump, and then she admits she spends 90% of her time hating Trump. Okay. You are a sick, sick woman. So... To Kevin Spacey, and I wanted to keep it separated because the media dropped this instantly because of his gay statement. Just showing that you can be gay, intersectionality allows you to be gay and be a racist, a sexist, doesn't matter. Eight House of Card employees claim sexual harassment. It appears that Kevin Spacey is facing the same fate as Harvey Weinstein as more accusers are coming forward. A report from CNN Money. CNN Money. Not CNN. CNN Money. Ain't it, that's where they put the shit they don't want anybody able to read because it's going to hurt the left. Money's got to be straight up. Eight employees are now suspended Netflix drama house cards have accused them of wrongdoing. One of them, a former production assistant, claims that Spacey assaulted him. Hmm. I guess he took the gay thing seriously. The low-level staff will call being assigned to pick Spacey up for an on-location shoot outside of Baltimore. As they approached the set, Spacey, while behind the wheel, put his hands down the production assistant's pants. I was to say to shock. He was a man of very proud position in the show, and I was somewhere very low on the totem pole on the food chain. Once they arrived, he escorted Spacey to his trailer with his belongings. In the trailer, the production assistant alleged that Spacey cornered him and blocked him. I told him, I don't think I'm okay with this. I don't think I'm comfortable with this. That's when the actor became visibly flustered, fled the trailer, got in his car, and left for the rain of the day, according to production assistant. Others told CNN the set was toxic. He would put his hands on me in weird ways. Another male said he would come in and massage my shoulders from behind, put his hands around me or touch my stomach, sometimes in weird ways that is in normal everyday conversation would be inappropriate. According to statement Netflix, only one incident was reported in five years. Netflix was just made aware of one incident five years ago that we, we resolved instantly. So this article shows me they didn't kill House of Cards to do the right thing. They did it. Because they covered it up. And now they're worried they're going to get Weinstein companyed and have to disband their shit because basically what they did, just like the Weinstein company, is big stars can sling dick on anybody. Grab them by the cock. 
Spacey, you know, literally was after Trump for locker room talk that isn't based on truth. Nobody knows if it's true. It's horrible. But he was all over that shit. But Spacey was actually grabbing him by the cock. So, okay, I got it. Another one, another article, House of Cards employee alleged sexual harassment assault by Kevin Spacey. This was carried by a bunch of people. Um, the new accusation followed an explosive article published less than a week ago by BuzzFeed in which actor Andy Raps and Spacey made sexual advances in 1985 when he was 14. They talk about his little thing. They talk about rap. They talk about, let me be clear as possible that Spacey alleged conduct imposing himself on one on a 14-year-old boy is in no way defensible, nor is it closeted queerness an excuse that authorities bad, authorizes bad behavior. Statement, Stacey's statement doesn't dispute either of these points. However, we can condemn the alleged events of rap story without falling into the trap of fueling moral panic around the specter of pedophile. And in its pitchfork and torches response, that's exactly what the gay community is doing. It used to be straights who pedophiled gays to deny them civil rights and social inclusion. Now we apparently pedophile our own for moral purification and self-satisfaction. Really? That is Joseph Fischel, Yale Associate, a professor of women's gender and sexual studies. The real route rage in the wake of species scandals, the unfair rap that grown men who lust after endless boys are getting. Slate gave this person an article basically saying it's okay to be a pedophile. Oh, there's more, boys and girls. There's more articles out there where the left is saying it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. They're all in on Game of Thrones, my friends. All in. They think it's okie fucking dokie. British police investigate claims actor 23 woke up to star performing a sex act on him. He was giving him a blowjob while he was sleeping. Yeah. Why is this not in the media? Another article. How calling Kevin Spacey a pedophile hurts the gay community. This is an angle they're taking. And thus, my second point. Gay pundits overblown protests to discuss if Spacey support the very structure of pedophile sex panic, the hyperventilating reduction of queerness to child abuse, and they're trying to fend off. To be clear, under no clinical diagnostics, I know of, does a drunken, aggressive, and deeply stupid pass that a teenager qualify as pedophilia? Indeed, one working definition of pedophilia is ongoing sexual attraction to prepubertal children who are generally under the age of 13. From the perspective of helping children and pedophile men, both pedophilia is best understood as a mental and public health problem requiring treatment and supervision rather than as a crime. As a technical matter, there is no crime of pedophilia, which is a structured desire. There are crimes of child molestation. That's an article. Jeff B. Black is back. Hottest slate take yet. Stop calling Kevin Spacey a pedophile for sexually assaulting a 14-year-old. That only counts if they're 13. Yeah. 
The implications of this are, wow, this is among the greatest takes that I've ever seen. That That's an angle the left is doing. So when they're not saying, Ali Akbar is beautiful, the NRA is to be blamed for an Antifa guy shooting some people in a church in the South, are really hoping all the hopes that they can pin Vegas on the NRA, conservatives, or whatever. They're saying it's okie-dokie to be a pedophile. And when they're not wanting to do that, where the fuck did I get this? I got this fucking shit. I'm not going to read it. But I got this from Glamour Magazine. Wait... It's hard for me to read this. This is what it's like to fall in love with your brother. This was released this week. This is in a dated article. Defying laws and social taboos, one couple share their undeniable connection. Until she was 40, Melissa thought she was an only child. For the first decade of her life, she grew up happily in a suburban upper middle class, blah, 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 blah. Had a great caretaker. Then she met her brother, and it was all good. In 2015, a Facebook friend request came from Chris, a man she didn't know, and her world shifted drastically. When I messaged to ask how I knew him, he said, if I really told you, you wouldn't believe it. I pushed and he said, your dad was not your dad. Your mom lied to you your whole life about who your father was. Chris claimed to be the stepson of Melissa's real biological father. She met Chris and she fell in love. With her stepbrother. And this article goes on to say, this is okay. the last taboo. On the way home, Melissa called a friend to explain what happened. The friend immediately inundated her with articles on GSA. For a little bit better, better seeing that this is out there and I wasn't crazy. It's okay to fuck a distant relative. Turning their lives upside down. Two weeks after they met, Brian left his wife. Melissa wasn't the reason I left, but she was the catalyst. My marriage has been over for a while. I just didn't know it. And she started, he started fucking his sister. Foundation of romance is another headline. I'm not making this up! Science support that. By virtue of sharing genes, they also share a lot of pre- predilections more so than two people plucked at random, said Lieberman, who has extensively researched the role of kinship and sexuality. Genes tend to shape our preferences for kinds of food, music, sleeping patterns, even exercise, and love. What? That's an article. So, as I start to read the rest of this, I want that as the catalyst. Pedophilia is okay to the left. Fucking your sister or your brother. Okay. HuffPost. Corey Feldman says actor John Grissom molested him. Corey Feldman. Important update. The man who molested me isn't spelled John. It's spelled J-O-N. John C. Please stop harassing the wrong man. Because the rest of the world is getting all up on it. David Brooks on ABC. 
a journalist. In this room, sex is gold nugget, a pleasure like any other pleasure, except maybe it's better and the desire for it's stronger. If you're a straight woman, are the people who can give you this pleasure. When you go to college party or club, you're on the prowl for a woman who wants to share this pleasure with you. Most pop songs are about this kind of conquest. Girl, I want your body. David Brooks is writing about humans like an alien observing our culture for the very first time. Girl, I want your body. I will never ever forget that he wrote those words. Major New York Times journalist. Rest of the world, thousands signed petition to keep Casey Affleck from presenting at the Oscars because he's another one. So, I had to separate that into a vignette because I want you to understand what the fuck's going on. Christianity's evil. Wanting a straight relationship, evil. Being a cis-normative woman, evil. Being a white man, evil. Being a part of the NRA, evil. Being a terrorist, okay. Saying Ali Akbar, okay. Being a Antifa member, okay. Fucking your sister, okay. Fucking a 14-year-old boy, not pedophilia. Are you tracking? Because I, I, I just want to make sure you're tracking. That's Kevin Spacey. Say you're gay, people will defend you when you molest 14-year-old boys. Say you're gay, people will defend you when you're running a hostile work environment, grabbing people by the dick, literally. But be Donald Trump and say it to some dude in a bus trying to impress him that you don't even know it's fucking true. I grab him by the pussy. You're a piece of shit. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I know you would. The news. Social media nuggets. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? 
politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Yeah, he's in the military now. Military corner without sound effects, because it's I I can't I I can't. This is too serious. I'll start with J.R. Saltzman. The Army values are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. Bergdahl failed on all counts. There are soldiers who receive far stiffer sentences for far less or crimes. This is a travesty. It's a failure to hold Bergdahl accountable. My prediction, he'll try and write a book or make a movie or some bullshit, and it will fail miserably, and he'll die a painless nobody. The dishonorable discharge is bigger deal than people think in a lot of states is equivalency of having a felony. With Bergdahl and Manning, the younger generation of soldiers being taught that accountability is no longer a mainstay of the military. He's not wrong. Six soldiers are dead because of him. Where's their justice? If you loathe Trump so much that you side with a slap on the wrist for Bergdahl, you forfeit the right to lecture anyone on morality. Colonel Jeffrey R. Nance, the judge who handed down the decision, cited Trump's past remarks on Bergdahl as mitigating evidence. But Trump's remarks didn't make Bo Bergdahl a deserter. Trump's remarks didn't kill or maim the brave soldiers who went looking for Bergdahl. Let's ask the families of the six soldiers who died looking for him and the troops who were wounded looking for him. If anyone in the media keeping track of the terrorists who were traded for Bergdahl, I'm guessing no. Trump's tweet on this, a decision on Sergeant Bergdahl, is a complete and total disgrace to our country and our military. He's 100% right. 100 Article on it, President Trump's harsh criticism of Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, who walked off his army post in Afghanistan in 2009 and was captured by the Taliban, will weigh in favor of a lighter sentence for the sergeant. The judge, I will consider the president's comments on mitigating evidence as I arrive at an appropriate sentence, said Colonel Jeffrey R. Nance. Great, so Bergdahl walked because the military judge wanted to scold the president. What ABC News jerking off to it happily? Because they don't give a fuck about the six people who died. They don't give a fuck that we traded a bunch of fucking terrible terrorists for a piece of shit deserter. They were in with Obama having that great Rose Garden ceremony. The brave and honorable fucking traitor. Just like, remember, Obama pardoned Manning. Because of intersectionality. Had Manning stayed a white male, he would still be in Leavenworth. But he chopped his cock off, so the left loves him now. Doesn't matter what you did before, you're on our team. Here's their report. One of the mitigating factors of sends was disparaging comments made by Trump. And while in office, Colonel Jer- Jeffrey R. Nance ruled Monday that while Bergdahl could get a fair trial despite the remarks, he would consider them in sentencing. And he did. He said, 
as unlawful command influence, writing, the plain meaning of the president's words are to any reasonable hearer could be that in spite of knowing that he should not comment on the pending sentence in the case, he wanted to make sure that everyone remember that he really thinks what should happen to the accused. The judge's decision was blatantly political, the right says. In order to stick to the president, he chose to spit on the memories of the men who gave their lives looking for Bergdahl. Breaking Alex Horton. Dishonorably discharged, reduced rank of private, but no jail time for banning as a post in Afghanistan in 2009. Bergdahl also forfeit 10K. His discharge means he won't have VA health care benefits unless General Robert Abrahams overturns the decision. Awful, inadequate, appalling. What the hell? Is what Katie Pavlich said. This judge should be kicked out of the military. He should be dishonorably discharged himself. What he did was a travesty as a military judge. He allowed his politics to overtake his justice. Politics. Not only did his politics overtake it, he inherently believed that the commissioned and non-commissioned officers overseeing this would be blemished by what the president said. And if this is the case, and the course that liberals want to say is just, then every case in eight years involving a white person and a black person, or in the cases they couldn't get it fully white, the white Hispanic officer and the black person, That should be mitigating factors because the President of the United States waited on every one of them and I never heard ABC News say that was wrong. I never heard NBC say it. I never heard CNN say it. I never heard an MSDNC say it. New York Times, WAPO, nobody said it. So Obama can weigh in on whatever the fuck he wants but the President of the United States saying Bergdahl's a traitor To let America know that because Obama and company and the media spun it like he was Caesar coming home after the wars is now bad. You fucking hypocrites. But it doesn't surprise me. Around the same time that this decision was laid down, the ugly history of the Pledge of Allegiance and why it matters from WAPO, requiring display of patriotism, have often been tied to nativism and bigotry. I'm not reading it. I just want to frame it. That's the country progressives want. That's the country media want. That's where they're at. It's not about justice. It's not about honor. It's not about defending the country. They have repeatedly showed if you're a progressive and you go full in and become a transvestite, you can give away state secrets. It's okay. If you're a progressive and you walk away from your post and you get six other unknown political affiliated soldiers killed, it's okie fucking dokie. I shit on every one of you. Because as your hero, Reverend Wright, would say, 
President Obama. The chickens will come home to roost when a real threat comes to this country and nobody stands up to fight for it. Because you're implanting into the youth of America the only patriots are Antifa people killing people in a church. You fucking pieces of shit. I will be angry about this for about three months. So we might not do a military corner because they're just going to piss me off. To the crazy. A photo posted on a Facebook page at Doty's Place Cajun Bar and Grill in Allen, Texas back in August has gone viral this week. The picture... Or as the article says, the internet mob discovered it. A picture of Caitlyn Jenner on the female door. A picture of Bruce Jenner on the male drawer. The Facebook page of the restaurant has been inundated with hate all over it. This has already been done, so you are not original. But you made potent national news, free marketing, as someone else expands. Very poor taste, karma. What a shock. Ignorant morons in Texas. Awesome, I love it. I wish more bigots would wear their narrow-minded Neanderthal views on their sleeves at all times. Then they'd be easier to identify and avoid like the plague. This is horrible and beyond disrespect. I would not be surprised if you lose business. I would never eat here. I hope Caitlin comes and rips this place apart. But others don't see the big deal. This was done in Los Angeles at a bar and received as mostly lighthearted. Why is it so offensive in Texas? I like the doors. They're beautiful and it speaks the truth. One is the old Bruce. The other is the new Caitlin. You can't be mad at the truth. New York Daily News, Texas Restaurant Slam for using the photo. HuffPo, are you okay with this? To which I responded, yeah. It's a fucking truth, people. Get over it. But that's our country. You do it in California, they have the right intent. You know nothing about it and you do it in a red state. Those fucking evil fucking Neanderthals. Who is prejudiced? Is it the South? Is it Texas? Is it the Midwest? Me thinks not. This one cracked me up. Grandma accused of scattering nude photos of women in school, reports say. Yeah, this is real. A grandmother accused of distributing na- naked photos of women at a Louisville high school was arrested at home. France Joints Bailey, 60, is accused of unlawfully entering Park Ridge Park High, Pleasure Ridge Park High on the 18th and throwing nude photos of women on the floor of a girl's restroom and on grass next to the parking lot. Bailey was identified for a surveillance video and was charged with distribution of obscene matter. The woman in the photos had dated Bailey's son and has a child who attends a high school, according to multiple media. She had recently filed an emergency protective order against her son and they never gave the reason why she did it. Wow. What the fuck over? But here's another old lady. Added in the saddle, women charged with DUI on horseback. A 53-year-old woman riding a horse down a busy Florida highway has been arrested and charged with driving drunk. The photo of this lady pretty much sums it up. She is drunker than fucking Cooter Brown. (laughs) Cracks me up. This one's kind of scary. Woman accuses cosmetic store Sephora of giving her oral herpes. One woman accused cosmetic store Sephora of giving her oral herpes after she tried a lipstick sample at the Hollywood Highland location. The lawsuit states the incident happened in October 2015. In the complaint, the woman said she had never had a cold sore until having used a sample lipstick at the store. 
Infectious disease expert said it's possible it is possible to transmit herpes virus through lipstick. I wonder if she'll win. That's kind of scary. I've always thought of that though. I would never try a what's a male version? I don't know, fucking like no rub stick. I, I wouldn't use pit stick from somebody else. I just wouldn't do it. But you see all those testers and these women just go down to, go to town with it. Even the spray bottles. Think about the spray. What if somebody put some fucking poison in that shit? I never understood the whole section. It just seems unsanitary. Dutch TV show, raped or not. This is the worst idea ever. That invites panelists to side of women and sex attack victims is set to air and wake a Harvey Weinstein. A whole reality show that is going to show scenes and you're going to have to say, were they raped or were they not raped? Might want to find something else for clipbank. Probably not good. Beluga whales learn to speak dolphin after moving in with them. Belugas are vocal creatures that can speak in squeaks, squawks, cackles, and clicks. They can even imitate the animals and people around them. According to Discovery Magazine, one beluga even started speaking dolphin after she moved into a tank with no other animals but in a bottlenose dolphin. The four-year-old captive animal had grown up around other beluga whales, but moved to the Cotabel Dolphinarium, which I did not know that was actually a word, in Crimea in 2013. There she had no other belugas to talk to, only dolphins, and she learned it. I am of the opinion that fucking animals are way smarter than us. To our liner fair! That's how fucked up the news is. That's the best I could come up with. All the college crazy was repetitive, so excuse the short five minutes of levity. That's all we could get. It's that bad. But this is pretty fucking funny. Driver pulls gun after learning McDonald's was out of egg McMuffins. This is a real story. He's not loving it. Ohio police are looking for a man who drew a gun Wednesday after being told by a McDonald's drive-thru worker that the store was out of egg McMuffins. The incident occurred shortly after 3.30 a.m. at a McDonald's in Warren, a small town in northeast Ohio. You know, me and the wife are just addicted to live PD, and we always say nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. Nothing. Police said the worker told them that the driver called her a vulgar name after pulling out a gun and then kept cursing her before speeding away. Warren police are using surveillance video footage in hopes to identify the man. Yeah. That that's a real thing. That's that's a real thing. Just freaking going batshit fucking crazy over an egg McMuffin. Where is your life turned so bad that that's something that you do? Bitch better have my McMuffin and pull out a gun. Whoa. Here's another crazy one. New York City strippers strike. Dancers say nearly naked bottle girls are grabbing their cash and cite racism. <laughs> it was a slow night last winter inside a strip club in Long Island City in Queens. Only a smattering of customers were still inside the club. One of them was throwing cash 
hundreds of dollars toward a dancer calling herself Panama as she performed on stage. Once the man stopped, she thanked him and started gathering her earned cash while the help of another dancer. But the club, like many others now, has a relatively new breed of bartender, once called Bada Girls. Women almost as naked as the strippers who are competing with them for the attention of the audience and their money. They're not your grandfather's or even your father's bartender. Like the strippers, they're not employees of the club, but private contractors. But they have mastered social media using Instagram to build followings of men in the hope that these men will follow them into clubs. And in those clubs, they have to the same goals as the strippers. They want to make it rain cash. Just as Panama says she was picking up her money, one of these bartenders also started to gather the cash for herself. When Panama tried to retrieve money from the bartender, a female bouncer picked up Panama and tried to restrain her. And she struggled to break free in her spiked heels. She twists her ankle, she told Washington Post. Washington Post will not go through Uranium One, but they're on this bad boy. Like, freaking white on rice and a paper plate in a snowstorm. One of the club's co-owner, who Panama has known for years, intervened, sliding, siding with the bartender. Once Panama got upstairs, management handed her a little bucket containing 200 bucks. Panama said she was distraught. It was her son's birthday, and she planned to, on using the extra 600 for his party. The next day, I had a swollen ankle during my son's birthday, and all I could think about was how I got treated. Panama told Washington Post. When I went back to the club, they said they looked at the cameras and said it was my money, but there was nothing they could do about it. Panama is a stage name, and she declined to provide a real name. She is for real, though, said Monty Marie, the owner of a New York dance studio where many dancers train called Poetic Justice. And she says, so are their mounting grievances, so much so that some of them have declared a strike. It's unclear how many dancers are participating and what the impact of clubs have been. The strike is about a week old. It's a new day, wrote DJ Slay, a well-known hip-hop disc jockey. There's always been racism in the strip club business, he agreed. But we all have to face the fact that it's a new day. It's a time where bartenders were only allowed to serve drinks and didn't wear the same attire as the dancers. Ladies did not change that rule, he wrote. The clubs did, and social media wear made some promoters, not all, will use popular ladies who have never bartended in their life to bartend in the events. IG celebrities to make their fans come out on their nights. Personally, I feel they should drop both titles, strippers and bartender, because it's all the same shit now. This is a full-blown article in WAPO that goes on for way more many pages than you'll ever find on Uranium One, on Antifa beating fucking people up, or any of the other shit. So I hate to put it in a lighter fare because it's funny. And then break some fucking facts on your ass. Our last one we're going to close with. Human love humans love dogs more than other people. Study finds. Two major studies show that mankind has more empathy for pooches in dire circumstances than suffering people. According to report in Times of London. The UK medical research charity staged two phony donation campaigns. One for a dog and the other featuring a man. Of course, the pooch drew more contribution. Would you give five pounds to save Harrison from a slow, painful death? Separate ad said, featuring a canine and a human Harrison. Then a Northeastern University study showed that only a baby human could compete with a man's best friend. Students were shown fake newspaper clippings about a baseball bat attacked on a puppy, an adult dog, a year-old infant, and a three-year-old dope. They were asked questions to gauge their empathy, and the adult finished last in sympathy. 
Respondents were significantly less distressed when adult humans were victimized in comparison with human babies, puppies, and adult dogs, according to Northeastern Research. Only relative to the infant victims did the adult dog receive lower scores of empathy. And I thought that's pretty spot on. I mean, if you really look at it. In my family, because we are very big dog people, so much so that I am going to give up all my man cards, and I don't really care if people think bad of me, and I'll be wearing a shirt with my wife a week from now <laughs> that has Santa being pulled by a sleigh full of huskies. I'm going to wear that shirt. I, I have no shame in my game because I love animals. And I think we all do. But getting back to my point before I got off on a stupid shirt tangent, the fact of the matter is if we pull up next to somebody bumming cash on a fucking highway, we never give money. Usually some guy says he's a vet and you know for fucking sure he never was a vet. But I don't know how many times we dropped off bags of dog food for a poor fucking dog that's got struck to the sorry sack of shit that don't want to get a job. I don't know how many times we've done it. How many times we've donated to shelters. Wolf Haven. We donated to that for years. Almost a decade. But I think at the end of the day, dogs don't fuck you like humans. And in this world we're in right now, it's hard to have friends, folks. Very few friends stand by you. At the end of the day, your dog will stand by you. So that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send emails with comments to foppodcast at gmail.com. Foppodcast at gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at foppodcast.com. Foppodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us, there you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page. The next podcast will be the 10th of November, Year of Our Lord 2017. Going to have the day off, and I figure I'll do a short little podcast, hopefully a little more positive than this. Kind of wrap up Texas and see if we got any information on that. I apologize for the cynical approach to a lot of this. Try as much as possible not to be a Rush limbaugh S type person. But this has been a tough week as an American to sit and look at our country. And if you're politically active and you're on Twitter and you're reading this stuff, a lot of hypocrisy right now. I think the most important thing for Americans during time like this is not to hate their fellow Americans. I broke that rule today with a couple of my statements because I am starting to hate a sect of Americans that seem... All they can do is hate on everybody that isn't like them, don't think like them, or don't believe like them. Regardless of where we go down, which trail we take politically, the fact of the matter is, Texas is a horrible crime. People couldn't even wait 24 hours, like I did, to talk about the political ramifications of what people were saying about their fellow Americans. The NRA, Smith & Wesson, Antifa, didn't make that person pick up the gun. They did it. 
And yes, I may be hypocritical when I talk about ISIS. But once again, the problem we're having, and we don't want to go to the root cause, it isn't organizations. It's the rhetoric, folks. And we keep going down the road where rhetoric is you must hurt other people, attack them. It's so dire America's going to fall apart because of Donald Trump. We're going to keep piling up bodies. And if we don't start looking at our immigration policies and stopping people that shouldn't be in this country in here, we're going to keep piling up bodies like New York City. It's going to happen. So as people go off half-cocked talking about how I can get political points on the next person, we need to look at the root cause. Ideologies. Anti-American leftist ideologies. Anti-American conservative ideologies like Dylan Roof and the racists in Charlottesville. Anti-American Islamist ideologies. You can ban every gun on the planet. People that want to hurt people are still going to fucking find a way to do it. The dude used a goddamn van to do most of his damage. Not a gun. And we need to fix that. Simultaneously, you and yours need to protect yourself. I think it's the time in America we're starting to get to the tipping point as these start piling up more and more. You just can't go around with your head up your ass. You need to pay attention to your surroundings. You need to make sure if you're going to law groups, large groups, there are adequate security measures. And you need to cherish your family members that are around you. I know right now my wife is on the road. I'm nervous as shit because it's a dangerous time. I didn't say it in here, but there was a call to action on the 4th. Refuse fascism, Antifa, everybody. It fizzled. There weren't huge protests like they wanted. But these call to actions are getting worse and worse. And unfortunately, if you don't live in the right state, or you come across looking the wrong way, you and yours could get in a lot of trouble. You could get hurt. So be safe out there. Until we can unfuck this country and get people to shut the fuck up, It's a dangerous time. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm just stating the facts. So cherish your family. Get off your damn devices. Spend time with them. Because this is a short ride. It's becoming a very short, fucked up ride. You need to enjoy the good things. So I apologize for a very negative podcast. I'll try to do better next time. But as always, take care my friends. And thanks for listening. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor. Let the bodies hit the floor.